Hi, and welcome to Coco Disaster. I'm Chorpsoy. And I'm Zane Zero. And once again, it's time for us to do our seasonal anime preview now that the horrible, horrible summer is over and the temperature is starting to cool down. Why not continue to spend your time indoors watching anime? Yeah, instead of being uh, all gross and wet outside, you can stay inside and take it easy with anime. Oh yeah, because now it's going to get humid. Ugh. The only thing worse than it being hot. Yeah. Ugh. Well, still, it's the fall season, and as the summer fades, new anime comes out. And so, we're here to talk about all the shows that are coming out and which ones we're interested in. But before we get to that... There's a little bit of news that I'd like to discuss uh, before going forward. First of all, we have learned that the uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Platinum Games project, uh, ReLink, is coming out in multiple languages. It's being localized for English. So, at the very least, if it doesn't get released here, it will certainly be playable here in the States. Secretly acknowledging that a broad audience... Yeah, because it... <laughs> what was it? Um, they had a Kantai Collection, like, arcade game previously. Like, I feel like the popularity of mobile gacha games is starting to spread in a way that, like, companies are willing to bank on that to make, like, other alternative, like, more traditional game experiences around them. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that happen that gotcha games are getting other spin-offs that are that are less uh aggressively designed or yeah no i get that yeah it it's like a you know one-time purchase kind of stuff instead of that gotcha style like gameplay loop yeah yeah it's cool to see especially since like grand Blue fantasy has been popular despite the fact that i don't think it has like a, a real proper english release like it's still very popular in the States because a, a translation exists. Yep. It, it is definitely 100% because of that. Yeah. So that, you know, it's that, uh, I mean, I guess Fate Grand Order has all the anime coming out, right? Like, it doesn't really need another game experience, especially since all the other Fate games keep coming out, like Extella and stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely is doing its own thing. I guess from here, it's like, oh, are they going to make, like, I don't know, like a proper, a proper Conti collection game? Or, it, you know, are we going to get some kind of, like, character action game based on um, Token Ronbu or something? Well, it's not Conkale, but other ship girl game, Azerlane, is getting a video game. Oh, is it getting, like, a real deal video game? <laughs> yes, and it's by Compileheart, the Neptunia people. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, it's a game. That's wild, though. <laughs> okay. So one of the Boat Girls games is going to come out in a big way. Oh, wow, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I guess that makes sense, though. Like, it feels like Conclay is definitely, like, declining in popularity. Yeah. And now this, like, I'll say it, clone is, you know, getting pretty big. <laughs> I think there's, uh, like parts of Azure Lane that make it a better gameplay experience, and it's also less nationalistic because it's not being developed by a Japanese company. Right, okay, I can see that. It's a little more, like, uh, inclusive as far as what boats they'll turn into hot babes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of all that, though, 
there has been an announcement that the Fate Grand Order's smartphone game is getting a full TV anime project and a pair of films adapting various storylines from the game. Yes, uh, the OVAs are going to be adapting sixth story arc Camelot, and the TV anime is going to be adapting the seventh story arc Babylon. I have no context for which to go, go by this, but that seems pretty cool. Camelot is basically the point when the game really showed how well it can do writing-wise. Uh, Camelot is a really well-written thing in video games in general. It's kind of messed up that it's a phone game and you have to go through so much <laughs> to get to it, but now people can experience it without playing through the tedious parts of the early game. And thankfully, the Babylon anime should be released after it's that arc is released in the U.S., Okay. So, as far as this kind of stuff goes, like, Fate Grand Order is sort of a, that, that gotcha style, sort of every character from all the fates can show up. Does it have, like, a, a, a core proper cast of, like, original characters that it follows that this would allow sort of the expansion for? Um, you mean, like, can people jump into these without context? Yeah, they can, because every singularity basically has its own self-contained story. Okay, so each of these storylines sort of has its own cast that it follows. Yes, the the only constants are, like, the main protagonist, the main heroine, and your two backup characters, who are Leonardo da Vinci and a doofus. Ah, cool! <laughs> The, the sheer breadth which which they decide what characters need to be reincarnated for, you know, the whole fate thing. Kind of fascinating. It's incredible. Yeah, it it's all self-contained, but there is, there is an overarching storyline, but for the most part, the singularities don't touch on it too much. Okay. Uh, then we have been told that there is a new Digimon film project. Oh, no. So, you know how they did Digimon Try, and that was supposed to be, like, the, the reunion thing for, I think, like, the 15th anniversary at the time that they announced it? Yeah, that sounds right. Well, Digimon Adventure, the movie, is currently in production for the 20th anniversary, and will include aged characters from the original series, like Ty and Matt and... Because from what I understand, Digimon Try really shifted in its back half to be like, we need to build up to more. People are liking this. So what if we lift everything on a cliffhanger to be taken care of some other time? Yeah, that's what I heard too. And also there's a really dumb plot twist involving the characters from Adventure Zero Two. Well, I guess that's what we'll learn about it. Digimon Adventure, the movie. It says it's a film project, so I don't know if that's another seven movies or whatever, but I guess we'll find out. Shrug? I mean, I really don't know the sales numbers or anything for Try, but it seems like on the Western side, definitely like as the movie's gone on, there was more and more animosity towards it. So, we'll see how, I don't know the Japanese numbers, but maybe that's going well. I hope so. Yeah. Now, speaking of Western audiences... Uh, Netflix's Death Note has a sequel in the works. Oh, no. And to note, Adam Wingard said that he had pitched this as a two to three film series. So it looks like 
for better or worse, the first one did popular enough with audiences that they're going to make a second one. Well, I wonder how much of that is people irony watching it. Hey, irony watches, in terms of Netflix, still watches. Yep, that's, that's kind of the problem. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why, like, Bright's getting a sequel. Like, 10 million people watched Bright. And I don't assume all of those were just, like, you know, for fun or being interested in it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't get the numbers up and get the money into the pockets of Netflix. Yep. Supposedly, the writer for the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie, Greg Russo, is the one penning the script. And who? Uh, I don't... I don't know what that new Mortal Kombat movie's gonna look like either. What a weird thing to go back to. I think he's also working on the Resident Evil movies reboot. Because that's happening, too. I forgot that was happening. Yeah, so I think it is the case where in Japan, they have their own film continuity. It's doing its own thing, but the Western continuity has been redone, and they have a new writer on it. I don't know if it's the same studio who did the old ones, because they're working on the Monster Hunter film right now. Wow, what a what a weird time for, like, trying to get this cross-media stuff going on. Bizarre. Yeah, because those ones are going to have to land on more traditional, like, they, it can't just be people seeing it, it's got to be people buying tickets and stuff, which is definitely going to be harder than, like, Netflix's style of anyone can watch it whenever, so they probably will, I guess. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Then, uh, I believe we talked previously that Galaga is getting, like, a, a Voltron-style TV series thing coming soon. Yeah, we did. Yeah, supposedly the first season's supposed to debut late 2019 or early 2020, but um, we have been told that the animation studio behind um, a BoJack Horseman and Robot Chicken, a Shadow Machine, is uh, the one taking care of the, the animation side of that. Uh, huh. And then writer and producer uh, Robert o Orky, I believe it's pronounced, who worked on, like, the Transformer live-action movie screenplays, and, like, some of the Star Trek stuff, and the Power Rangers film is doing the writing for it. So, I I really don't know what they're doing with this, but they're really doing it. It's gonna be something. Extremely something. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, at this point, after the the whole, like, Castlevania Netflix thing going so well, and with that second season coming out pretty soon... I mean, I guess anything's possible. This could be good. Yeah. People seem kind of soured on Voltron, but maybe Galaga has a fresh enough paint and better writing to, you know, get around that. I mean, I thought the reason people were sour on Voltron was because of its incredibly messy fandom. Well, it seems like the writing has not been up to snuff either in later seasons. I see. From even, like, the more, the more, like, Ah, uh, level-headed viewers. We also have a couple announcements. First of all, the uh, the newest, like, Toho side game, Straight From Zune, has come out. And presumably it's going to come out in English eventually. He's got that deal with Playism to bring it out. It might be on Steam at this point, but what I like about it is it's, it's done in the style of an older spinoff game called Shoot the Bullet, which was one of the characters sort of taking pictures of bullet patterns to, like, put in their newspaper. So it like it's very different in play-wise where it's a lot more about trying to find kind of the the beauty in these bullet patterns 
But this particular character they have it based on is just like a high school girl who uh, wants to capture these images with her smartphone so she can share them on social media and get followers. Hell yeah, I'm gonna post these cool bullet patterns on Instagram. Which seems pretty cool. Like, you can, in the main characters, but you can clearly see her holding a smartphone. It's pretty good. That's incredibly silly. Thanks, Zoom. Yeah, so maybe we'll see that come by sometime. We also have Nintendo Switch announcing a comics subscription service. The Norwegian company Inky Pen announced that they are trying to put together, like, a uh, graphic novel, manga, a uh, French comic sort of subscription service on uh, the Nintendo Switch for, like, $8. Uh, and not, like, worldwide, but, like, simultaneous release in, like, US, Canada, Europe, kind of, you know, more broad spread. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Like... With as much of a, like, multimedia device as the Switch seems to have become with all of this, you know, kind of the portability of it, it's cool that they're now offering this, like, comicsology sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad the Switch is getting all this weird stuff. Yeah, just for how the how people are using it, I feel like this is, like, a, a no-brainer in terms of that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, ebooks pop up on this eventually and stuff like that. Like, the numbers don't lie in terms of the Switch. I feel like, you know... It's got that opportunity if the, uh, you know, if, if the deal goes through. I can see that. Yeah. So, then I, I like this as sort of a, uh, uh, an ironic sort of a, a situation. So, there's a manga called, uh, Today I Went Up in Flames, or Honjitsu Watashi wa Enjo Shimashida, which is about a girl who likes to cause online controversies, <laughs> like start flame wars and stuff. And as it turns out, the manga has been canceled due to an online controversy. Oh! Yeah, so the whole thing is about, like, using provocative content on, like, a YouTube equivalent to sort of become, like, you know, one of those, like, drama alert sort of things. And as it turns out, a number of derogatory comments from the uh, the main author, Dogeza, includes, like, a lot of slurs and remarks against foreigners and criticism of people on welfare. So the series was then on hiatus, and then after the uh, author took a break and came back to social media, like, doubled down <laughs> on, on their opinions, and so the thing's been cancelled. Whoops! And I, it's funny in a very ironic sense. But also, like, it's still good that authors like this are, you know, are, are starting to see comeuppance for the things that they say. Like, it's still not perfect, but we are slowly getting to a point where, like, these actions are more inexcusable. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that, he, that this person got blasted. Yeah, it's hopeful that that means that going forward more things like this will happen. Like. I don't know, they could uh, cancel Roroni Kenshin's return, that would be cool, but, you know, these steps are still important. I think these are still, you know, good things to be happening, as it were. Yeah, baby steps. Yeah. Then, um, <laughs> film studio Global Road, who owned the rights to the Hollywood Tiger and Bunny film, has uh, announced a bankruptcy, and so... A number of lenders and banks have taken control of the Tiger and Bunny film license. Well. So, who knows 
what's going to happen with that? That does seem like one of those ones that would be able to pull off that crossover appeal. Yeah. And you'd also expect it to get a lot of funding since it's literally about people who wear advertisements on their chests. Oh, man. But you know what it won't have? An advertising spot from Ustream. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they'll have to update that for if, if like, the, the new spinoff series has anything like that. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, rest in peace, the Tiger and Bunny Hollywood film. Yeah. And that's everything. That's the news. I have one bit of news myself. Oh, what do you know? Somehow or another, the terrible sextuplets Osomatsu got a dub. Oh! Oh, you're right, they got a dub recently! Oh, man. Strange, but, you know, it got, like, wildly big. It seems a little too late to cash in on that, like, popularity, but... Hey. Yeah. I'm sure it'll still sell, sell to people. That fanbase probably still is around. Yeah, and considering it's the first season, the one that everybody liked, it's probably gonna do at least decently. Yeah. And honestly, like, if we're getting an Osamatsu dub, we might as well, like, just go all in and do the dub of those six Vita games. But anyways, now it's time for anime. Turns out, they're still putting it out, and there's a lot. And, I don't know, it seems fine. Like, it seems a little better off the front than, like, last season did, but <laughs> last season, or, you know, the one that's just ending, it turned out pretty alright. I... Ended up watching plenty of shows, like... So who knows about this one? <laughs> yeah, this time it's... I'm getting... I'm starting a lot of new stuff. Instead of holding on to leftovers. Yeah, thank god, a lot of stuff's ending, too. Phew. So to start off our leftovers... I've got the most, and the first one that I'll be watching into the next season is... Mr. Tonegawa Middle Management Blues, which is the... Comedy kaiji spinoff about the evil corporation and sort of the wacky hijinks they get into setting up all of the death games that they make debtors pay. And, like, it's... <laughs> it's weird. Like, I don't know if you would enjoy it if you aren't already familiar with Kaiji and sort of the, the characters behind it, because it seems, like, very reliant on, like, ironic twists for the, the main series that it's based off of. But it's it's definitely got a lot of charm to it, and if nothing else, the narrator is a is a hundred percent selling everything that happens in the show, even in English. So in Japanese, he'll do like things where he speaks in English for like emphasis, and in place of that, in the dub that they're doing, he just kind of screams a hundred percent all the time. I'm just imagining a guy screaming. Bowling in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yep. <laughs> yeah, so I find it a lot really charming. Um, if you don't know Kaiji, you might enjoy it because it's like very down to earth, sort of like comic mishaps in terms of like big business handling. So like, if if you are familiar with sort of the the corporate sort of office culture, you might still find charm in that. I'm having fun with it. It definitely starts off a little slow and gets better as it goes. So I'm excited to see what they do with the second core of it. I see that it's, uh, that it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's charming. It's not always laugh-out-loud funny, but it, it's definitely got, like, 
it, it's got, it, make, it gives a smile on my face every time I watch through it, so yeah. And then for your one leftover, you were able to keep up with Leighton Mystery Agency, Cat's Mystery Solving Files. Yeah, as, as somehow people keep fan-subbing it, it's still going, and it's still more of the problems I had with the first season and the second season, which is, hey, the quality is all over the place, they reuse cases from the game, and when they do original stuff, it's either, it's very hit or miss. Also, they keep mm. having one episode of a real plot in this, in this show. <laughs> so you gotta stick around every ten episodes for the one big story episode. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. But, like, clearly it's good enough that you're sticking with it, like... Yeah, when it works, it really does work, and it, sometimes you just get that one episode that's just so ridiculously latent that, it, that you know, it just has this big dumb grin on your face the whole time, because it's so incredibly silly. Mm-hmm. And then... The last one on The Leftovers is I'm watching Banana Fish, which is, it's a good series, I think, but even knowing going in that, like, it, it deals with a lot of, oh, let's say problematic content in terms of, like, sexual assault and sort of, like, child slavery and things like that, it's a show that definitely revels in some of the the misery it produces for its characters like it it is highly dramatic and that's definitely going to be a turn off for some people so is the content like it's it's a difficult to recommend a show but i am enjoying watching it like i think that the action's pretty well done it definitely is trying to aim for this like very pulp sort of like American storytelling and like it's sometimes comical in that regard and just like how th this like idea of America is filtered through Japan but like it's entertaining certainly and I think that's like the one big thing is going for it is like it it never slows down in a way that like you don't feel tired about it but like you always want to know what's happening next so yeah, Banana Fish is definitely like a hard to recommend show, but if you are not turned off by its its like general content, it's a pretty good like pulp action series with with some heart to it. Like and I I think that's going to grow more as the story kind of continues. This is the first season has had like a lot of setup for things moving forward, I think. And yeah, so that's The Leftovers. Uh, oops, we both dropped Reigns, but we'll talk about that next time. Yep. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that something that's been with us for, like, over a year now is gone, but it had to be done. But let's not, let's not linger on that. Let's talk instead about the shows we're very interested in for the next season. And the first one on the list is one that I think... A lot of people have been clamoring for, for a while now. And that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Part 5, Vento Oreo, or Golden Wind. Yeah, finally, we get to see more of incredibly fashionable boys. That's right. Welcome to the world of Giorno Giovanna, Giojo, and his adventures into trying to become a gang star and joining 
the Passion Mafia group. <laughs> it's this seems pretty exciting, not only because this is the one that like I think for the longest time has had the worst translation. Yeah. In terms of the manga. So like it's it's good that that's coming out, but also like it's more divorced, I feel, from the other series than like part four was. Like part four still felt pretty integrated with like part three in terms of the cast they bring back and sort of some of the story stuff. Part five seems a little more divorced from that. It feels a little more like, you know, like a side story that ultimately comes back to things that they've set up before, but like has more of its own identity. Yeah, it part five is very different from part four because it's it's not really a slice of life sort of thing. It's more of a a journey like part three was. It's more like a 39 heist movies taped together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it maybe because of um, the poor translation it had, it didn't it hurt its popularity in the West. But uh, part five is one of Japan's favorite JoJo parts. Yeah, it's one of the few to get like a, a full fledged video game based off of it. Even though I heard the game is really crappy. I mean, what? What JoJo's game is it without its problems? Fair, fair. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to um, some choice localizations that they make, such as potentially Zipperman. <laughs> yeah, everyone's excited about that. I hope they keep Gangstar intact. Is that a reference? No, no, I just I just like Gangstar instead of Gangster. Like, he wants to be that much cooler. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, we'll see how they do with the names. I mean, inevitably, some of them are going to have to change. We'll just see how, if they follow, like, the game, you know, like, the, the, the official game localizations, or if they go their own way. We'll see. But yeah, that should be fun. I'm, I'm excited. Also, really lets, uh, lets the whole fashionista thing go in terms of uh, Araki's tastes. Oh, yeah, this is based in Italy, after all. Yeah. Uh, then, it says you're here, you're watching a Golden Kamui second season. Already, that's really, that seems like a really quick turnaround. Yeah, they they literally announced it at the end of uh, season one, so I get, maybe maybe it was always going to be uh, a two-core thing, they just decided to do it a split-core thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Golden Kamui should be more adventures of these goofball, messed-up characters trying to get that uh, sweet, sweet Ainu gold. Yeah, for as much as I heard, like, kind of faults early on with the animation, maybe this extra, you know, this extra season off was just a chance to sort of, you know, recalibrate and sort of get things prepared for a second season where, presumably, like, bigger things are going to start to happen. I mean, it definitely feels like the animation team was getting their better at the, at capturing what people liked about the manga as the the show went on, so that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, it's a case of, like, again, this this seems to be the studio that, like, came out of the wreckage of um, uh, Man Globe, and so they don't have a ton under their belt. I'm sure they're still trying to figure everything out. So hopefully the second season will just be a, a market improvement over the whole thing, and that'd be nice. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see these guys in action some more. And maybe, just maybe... This will finally get me off my ass to read the manga, because I still own the first volume and have not touched it. 
Then the next one uh, we alluded to earlier. This is Double Decker, Doug and Kiriel, which is a spinoff of the Tiger and Bunny series. Yes, it is about uh, two detectives. And I, I'm pretty sure it's the same sort of dynamic as Tiger and Bunny, where one of them is older and more experienced, and the other one is a rook getting into uh, just starting out, that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Um, and, and it's not like superheroes this time. It's basically like drug cops, more or less. Oh. Like, they have, they have this special crime investigation unit that's like trying to uh, crack the case of this highly lethal drug called Anthem. And the, the particular unit they belong to does this, like, the double decker system, which pairs you up with someone. So there's not just, like, Doug and Kiriel, but there are, like, these other ones that, like, very look like Tiger and Bunny characters. They're very... they pop. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> their, their outfits and their designs are very flamboyant and, like, there, right? Like, they're very visible. <laughs> huh, I should get around to watching that episode preview that they put out then. Yeah, it's... it looks pretty neat, and I'm excited for it. I like... You know, Tiger and Bunny was pretty good. I like that team, and it'll be neat to see what they do with sort of, like, a a similar but distinct story. Yeah. Oh, also, for folks that don't already know, um, one of the main characters is played by the official uh, dub voice of Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, cool. Great. So they, have an, they definitely have an audience in mind. Yeah. So... We'll see how that goes. (laughs) And then, uh, following up, you have another one on this list, and this one uh, had to track down extra to make sure that this was coming out, because it's not an anime, so it doesn't show up on any of the, like, charting services. Thunderbolt Fantasy, second season. It shows up on any chart. Oh, really does it for you? It doesn't show up on live charts, so. The first season did. Don't know why this isn't. Anyways, Thunderbolt Fantasy, season two. Yeah. Apparently it's continuing a bit after where the the first season ended a couple months. So, Thunderbolt Fantasy is Gen Urobuchi having discovered a, uh, I believe it's a Taiwan puppet theater sort of thing, a Peely, I believe it's called, and uh, he got really, you know, interested in it when he first saw it, and he decided, oh, I want to do this, I want to make a, a show of this, and that's how Thunderbolt Fantasy, the first season, came out, and... I maintain that it is the best thing Urobuchi has ever written. <laughs> Alright. Probably because it doesn't have too many of the awful tropes he likes to put into his thing. Um, I'm curious if it, like, there was an OVA that came out uh, that told the backstory of one of the characters from the first season, the Screaming Phoenix Killer. <laughs> yeah, and that was half the movie, and then the other half was a very goofy recap of the first season. And it also served as, like, a a teaser for the second season, and it still... The whole thing felt really well-written, so it doesn't seem like uh, the first season was a fluke, so I'm looking forward to, um... to what happens in the second season, and hopefully, uh, demystifying one of the main characters isn't going to bite Urobuchi in the ass. Right, from what I understand, the Thunderbolt fantasy avoided a lot of, again, Urobuchi's worst tropes just by being, like, balls-to-the-walls ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, 
that's definitely part of it. But also, maybe I maybe this is just me being hopeful, but maybe he's improved as a writer. <laughs> well, we can only hope. He's only written like, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 projects at this point. You can hope. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to it and it should be, you know, really fun and goofy and I'm looking forward to one of the characters in particular who is paired up with a talking loot. Ah, cool. That sounds great. But yeah, uh, it it continues to follow the adventures of uh, Shang, and apparently uh, it's going to be covering uh, his mysterious past, and not like it's a flashback, but it's his mysterious past catches up with him, because oops, he became too famous from the stuff that he did in the first season. Oh, that might be interesting then, yeah. Then we have our last very interested show. And this may bite us in the ass, because I feel like we said the exact same thing the last time a trigger show popped up. But this one is SSSS Gridman. Yes, uh, hold on. I want to go see what SSSS stands for, because I know that's a reference to uh, what Gridman was localized as back when I got it. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Yeah, that's it. What a great title. Uh, Cyber is spelled with an S, just to make sure anyone out there thinks I'm crazy. Uh, yeah, so Gridman is a, like, early 90s giant hero series in in the way of, like, Ultraman. Yeah. And this is Trigger doing, like, a modernization anime adaptation for the series. Yeah, I I have not seen either... Uh, Gridman or its localized form, but hopefully Trigger doing a toku show will play a bit more to their strengths, rather than just doing some of the animation work like they did for, um, for Franks. Yeah, because Franks, everyone was like, oh man, they get to do the robot stuff, and maybe they did some of the robot stuff. That seemed alright, like, animation-wise. Maybe, maybe this'll be better than Darling and the Franks. We can only hope! Yeah. (laughs) Yes, seriously. But yeah, I, I'm just saying this because I, uh, I watch Toku, so I know a bit more of, like, some of the tropey stuff that they might be getting into, and it seems like that's more of a fit for Trigger's style. Yeah, and the character designs definitely are, like, very Trigger, I feel. Like, in the best way. Like, they all just seem very distinct and colorful and, like, easy to tell apart, which is always important in these sorts of shows. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to some good, giant dude beating up monster action. Yeah, ain't nothing like giant dudes. Plus, it seems like it's it's not just giant dude, it's like, the multiple giant dudes can combine together to make like a megazord. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I, I think that's what's happening in the, the preview video for this. Hard to say, but I think that's what's happening. <laughs> Alright, and with that, it's time for the kind of interested list. You know, these are the shows that we're keeping an eye out for. Maybe we're checking out a couple episodes. But, you know, these are the ones that are higher on our radar. And the first one here is Release the Spice, which... It looks very a princess principle. Yes, it... That's the first thing that comes into my mind when I saw the preview episode. Except they have dumber outfits at a different setting. Right, it's like... It's got the same sort of, like all-girl, task-force, sort of, like, stylish action sort of thing going for it, like Princess Principal. It Instead of, like, oh, these are, like, younger girls who are 
you know, like steampunk spies. They are like ninjas in an intelligence agency to protect the people. Part of this group called Tsukikage, and they're all like very younger looking girls. Uh, I think the character designs are by the Yuro Yuri author, which explains a lot about their looks. Oh yeah, now that you mention it, yep, that's Defo the Yuru Yuri person. Yeah, and it's being done by a different studio, so it you know, it's not like it's like, oh, this fast follow based on the success of Princess Principal. I don't even know if it did that great. But yeah, so we'll see how it goes. It it seems like pretty stylish in its own unique way in comparison to that. Yeah, I'm just a bit more cautious about it because I don't know, it Maybe it is because of the incredibly silly character designs where they're all wearing what looks like school uniforms, but with but they bear their midriffs. <laughs> yeah, crop top school uniforms, but they're ninjas. Yeah, that that might worry me a bit, but who knows? Maybe it'll actually be good and surpass the very dumb character design. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has that opportunity. Like, it just depends on what the focuses of the writers are and stuff. Yeah. It could be neat. Like, it definitely shows a lot of style in the previews, so I think there's definitely an opportunity there, especially since it seems like it's going to be a little more fun than Princess Principal. Yeah. Like, not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but, like, this definitely seems like it's got a little bit of a less serious vibe to it. No, I know what you mean. It could be, like, more lighthearted and such. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Also looking forward... To Ace Attorney Season 2, which I will certainly be jumping on as soon as it starts. I probably am too. I'm I'm still a sucker. <laughs> Ace Attorney Season 2 is a sequel to the popular Ace Attorney Season 1, which was an adaptation of the first two Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games. This next one is supposed to be an adaptation of the third game, uh, Trials and Tribulations? Yes, that is the third one. Okay, Justice for All is the second one? Yes, it, it sounds like it should be the other way around, doesn't it? Right, that's why I wasn't sure. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it's a good game, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. Like, there are good and bad parts of the Ace Attorney anime, um, and one of, I think, the best parts is the way that they are able to streamline all of the investigation parts. That was, like, one really good thing they did, especially when it comes to some of the longer cases, like the Steel Samurai one or the Circus one. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, especially with, like, a character as uh, beloved by the fans as Godot. Oh, right. I forgot. One of the big achievements of season one was that they made the circus case tolerable. Right, and they even skipped all the, like, weird parts of the circus case. It was great. So, yeah, it'd be- it, I'm, I'm really excited for season two because I think that they can accomplish plenty with the, with the format and everything. And also, like, they can't wait for the localized subs to come back. I just realized some of the characters that we're going to be getting in this season of anime, characters such as Mask to Mask and Luke at Me. <sighs> Fantastic. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited for that. The localized subs were like, oh, they were so good last time. I, I love that they just, they show a picture of ramen and they're like, that's a hamburger. <laughs> that's, oh, it's so good. And also, people getting mad about them is so good. <laughs> oh, I love Ace Attorney. I'm really hoping this anime is good. Same here. And then, we have on here Gaikotsu Shotenen Honda-san, which is a 
comedy series about a bookstore that is entirely staffed by uh, people who look like serial murderers. Also a skeleton. Right, so the main character, Honda, is a skeleton. All the other ones, like, wear masks, and some of them definitely look like they're killers, like, and they definitely, like, play up that, like, where one of them's got, like, a plague doctor, one of them's got the gas mask, got, like, a welding mask. It's, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this, because if that's the whole joke, I don't know how far it goes. The animation is, like, very strange to it, like, it's got a, an almost Inferno Cop-style quality to it. Yeah, the animation looks really cheap, but it also feels like maybe that's part of the joke? Right, so it, it, it's hard to say right now, is this gonna be funny? Especially since we don't have a translation for the PV, so we're just going off of, like, these over-the-top reactions to things. I'm not gonna lie, I'm watching this entirely because the main character is a skeleton. Hey, look, it's a, it's a good hook. It is. We'll just have to see if that pays off. Good luck, skeleton. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Again, very hard to make a judgment on a comedy series before we, like, can understand or interpret any of the jokes, but we'll see. Then next up, one I'm watching is Hinamaru Sumo. It's a high school sports anime, but they do sumo. And what that means is all the PV are, like, pretty buff dudes in kind of the, the sumo attire. A lot, of, a lot of mostly naked dudes on this art. Ah, fan service. Finally, someone's cornering the uh, the buff boys department. But yeah, it's it looks like reasonably charming. I like the high school sports thing. I like seeing like non-traditional sports like this. It'll be interesting to see, especially since like I feel like sumo is one of those wacky Japan sort of like punchlines here in the West, and to see it like treated with like respect will be really nice to kind of see what sumo is actually about. I'm, I'm looking forward to that specifically just as like, you know, it's like a view into a culture that is like, paradized a lot, and I'd like to see what it looks like for real. I mean, I think it's also paradised Japanese kids' media too. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean, like, th this definitely has like a, a, a legitimacy to it. Yeah, I get that. I'm just saying it's not just the West that does it. Right, they just do it a very different way. It's no super-duper sumos. Uh, then up on the list, I have Bloom Into You, which is supposed to be one of the, like, good lesbian series coming out. I know the, the manga is pretty well-received, and so, like, I'm gonna kind of wait on it and see what, uh, what the consensus is about the anime adaptation. It seems, you know, it, it seems pretty traditional in terms of, like, the storyline and everything, but, like, they can make it cute and make it, like, a traditionally good romance story, and I feel like then it would enter a very small collection of, like, good LGBT Japanese media. Yeah, I, I've heard it's good. I'm not gonna watch it myself, but I hope it is does turn out to be good for folks that are interested in watching it. Yeah, that's that's the thing I'm hoping. It's just, like, I hope it's good even if this isn't something ultimately I end up, like, finding the time to watch. Then also, I am going to be trying out So Many Colors in the Future, What a Wonderful World, which is a real mouthful. But um, this is the new PA Works series, and I feel like 
just over the last couple years doing this show, I feel like I've garnered an appreciation for PA work such that I kind of want to just give everything they do a shot for the fact that it's like kind of non-traditional adaptations and a lot of original work that comes out of it. And like, I've liked basically everything I've seen out of them, so I don't see why I couldn't enjoy this one. <laughs> I... I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm having a snicker because uh, Kanan was also by PA Works. Oh, was it? I think so. Oh, weird. Wow, you're right. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, it's a series about uh, a girl who grew up in like a witch family in a world where sort of like magic still sort of exists, but is mostly faded from the public conscience and is like sent back into the past, which is the current year for them, and sort of explores her family and sort of, like, comes to rediscover magic and stuff. So, like, it seems like a very charming sort of slice of life thing. Again, a lot like what PA Works has been doing with things like Sakura Quest and stuff on, like, maybe maybe a little more towards the dramatics and the serious storytelling side. But it seems cool. Like, I really like the designs and everything, so I'm excited to see what comes out of it. And the last one here, uh, putting on just in case they pick it up, this is uh, Okoshiyasu Chidosei-chan, which is the story of a penguin who lives in Kyoto and just kind of travels Kyoto in search of all of the great landmarks that it can show off. Huh. And so it's, it seems like a very charming sort of short series that, like, there have been others that have come before, I think, in a similar vein. But this one, like, oh, it's just a penguin that travels... The Japanese countryside and does cute things is like, that's enough of a hook for me, sure. Like, at five minutes, I could watch an episode of that a week, no problem. Yeah, I, I didn't mention this because I hit a wrong button, but uh, the, the premise of magic fading from public consciousness in, the, in so many colors in the future, what a wonderful world, reminds me of Flying Witch, which is another anime that PA Works did. Oh yeah, and that's, that's wait, was it PA Works? Just, wait, was it? Pretty sure. Flying Witch. JC Staff. Oh yeah. It's the other anime studio with two with two letters in its name. Yeah, well, that's what that premise kind of reminds me of. And also I'm glad that you used the full name when discussing it. Is there really a good way to shorten it? You're you're not wrong. <laughs> Cause you say what a wonderful world. It's like, oh, it's that movie. No. <laughs> so like, I guess you just have to go all the way in. And I hope all of the online discussion about it also uses the full name the entire time. <laughs> but I see where you're coming from. It's sort of this more low-key sort of magic, sort of this more laid-back vibe than I think we see a lot of sort of magical media go for. Just definitely more on the dramatic side than the comedic. And now, it's time for the maybe-maybe-not list. You know, we're, we're keeping these in mind... Not sure of the quality of them, but, you know, like, they look, at the very least, interesting. And boy, does that describe this first one, Ingress the Animation. Yeah! For those who don't know, Ingress is the alternate reality game that, uh, that was the basis for Pokemon Go. Made by the same company, Niantic. Yes, and I recall Ingress not really having that much of a story... Or at least from what I've heard, so I wonder what the heck they're going to do with this. Yeah, Ingress's story is basically just like, it's the cyber future, and people use hacking to take over buildings and stuff. 
and assert dominance for their factions do that. And so, like, they seem to be turning this into, like, a real cyberpunky sort of, like, story. Like, on a, a much more, like, micro scale, it seems like it's very, like, character drama, police action sort of thing. So it almost feels like it's just using the game as a base to tell its own story. Yeah, and it's got a real word salad ass synopsis <laughs> attached to it about like sci-fi stuff. <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't know. It could be neat. I have no idea though. <laughs> yeah. So here's looking forward to that. Uh, then I have Bakasuri Bar Hunter, solely because it's like one of the most explicit toys to anime adaptations that Macy views over in the West. Because this is the one about scanning the barcodes and the monsters coming out. Yeah, I think we talked about this a few times before. Yeah, we talked certainly about the game coming out, because it's like this fishing pole you attach to your 3DS to scan, like, I don't know, like, Chef Boyardee at the mall, (laughs) and then get a monster out of them. So yeah, I don't- if it shows up anywhere, maybe I'll check it out, because, like, it's certainly a premise, and it feels very, like- Digimon-esque kind of thing, like that modern, like the Apple Monsters thing. So I don't know, it might turn out interesting. I love kids' media. Hmm. Uh, then, uh, Zane is gonna defend himself for putting Conception on the Maybe Maybe Not list. Ah, I wanna watch this because it's garbage. <laughs> Probably going to be garbage. Yeah, so, uh, Conception, based on the game of the same name, about JRPG protagonists to fuck and then make their children fight. They metaphorically fuck. You're right. Sorry. They, like, have, like, an out-of-body celestial experience that causes babies to appear. Yeah, I want to watch it because Conception, the video game, is dumb anime garbage, and I hope, even though this is the first game, it is also dumb anime garbage because I eat that shit up. Thanks, Studio Gonzo, for fucking making this exist. Oh, <laughs> uh, I we'll see, I guess. <sighs> Folks, take care of your star children. Don't follow my lead. Don't consume garbage. Uh So this next one kind of took me by surprise. The girl in Twilight, it seems really like innocuous and kind of trite from the description because it just kind of talks about this group of girls who are part of, like, a, a the Crystal Radio Research Society, and they decide to do, like, a, a ritual in their town, like, for fun. But if you look at the preview, this ritual, like, causes, like, them to transfer to an alternative dimension where they all become, like, common writer style like, kind of mechanized superheroes. Wait, what? Yeah, no, if you- the PV is, like, three minutes long, and it takes half the time to get there. But it's, like, kind of fascinating. Like, there's something really neat to that idea. I like the art style to it. So if they do this kind of, like, dramatic sort of, like, alternative, I guess kind of magical girl sort of thing to it, it could be neat. I'm gonna have to watch the PV after we're done. (laughs) Not only that, original scenario concept done by none other than Kotaro Uchikoshi. Oh, okay! (laughs) I guess I'm going on Uchikoshi's wild ride again! Yeah, so it seems like it's a really neat idea, 
And I didn't know that it was Uchikoshi until just now, so actually, maybe I'll move that up to the maybe interested list. Me too! Because, wow, that's... Oh, man. God bless you, Chikoshi. Man, I hope this ne- his next game is good, too. <laughs> Hell, I'm editing the list right now so that I can remember to watch this. <laughs> huh. I looked it up on Wikipedia, and The Girl in Twilight is a multimedia franchise celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Animax channel. Huh. Oh, right, because I'd read that there's... Right, oh, I thought maybe I heard that there was, like, a, a mobile game attached to it? Yes. Yes, there is. Okay. Okay, I'm also thinking of a different series that's a multimedia project that has a mobile game with it, but The Girl in Twilight seems neat. I guess I'm in this, then. <laughs> and again, just tried to Google it. Don't Google The Girl in Twilight without the word anime after it. They'll just tell you the cast of the movie Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> then next up on the list is run with the wind which is i guess my my second pick in terms of like high school sports series for the upcoming season uh this one focusing on like a, a marathon running team and it's being done at production ig in that very like production ig sort of like haiku style which is i think is like very charming and also it's being written by the person who did an anime I really liked before called The Great Passage, which is like a very different series about kind of like love of words and dictionaries and stuff. And so I would be interested to see what they do with like, you know, a more action focused sort of storyline. But I'll wait until see what other people have to say about it before I jump in on that. And next up, your one high school pick. It's Gaku and Basura, a very different sort of high school. Oh yeah, so uh, Gaku and Basura is a high school spinoff of Sengoku Basura, which is about all of your favorite warlords from the Sengoku period uh, doing cool fights in Musou setting. As a Musou, it ruled. Yeah, it's like a very wacky sort of like Dynasty Warriors kind of thing. It's more over-the-top, such as uh, Date Masamune wielding six katanas at once because it's really cool. Also, he's literally voiced by Dante in English. Or there's the Oda Nobunaga with the horse with the the motorcycle, um, the motorcycle handlebars on it. Is that not Oda? One of them has motorcycle handlebars on their horse. No, that's also Date. Oh, okay, great. It's very ridiculous and silly, and, and I missed that game. The, the game was very fun, so I'm watching this because I like these characters and their dumb interactions, so hopefully <laughs> this will be uh, more of that. Also, Nobunaga looks like his most Dracula in this show. Oh. So then next up, I have... Oh, we're going to consider this a double feature. These are two maybe-maybe-nots because they are from... Uh, Studio Bouncy, known for their, like, weird 3D anime based entirely in improv, like uh, Magical Girl Naria-chan, and shows like that. So I'm only putting this on because, like, Studio Bouncy uh, interests me. (laughs) Not because, like, any of their previous shows I thought were particularly good, but just, like, I find the style that they go for fascinating in that they just, like, rigged people up to 3D models and had them improv for, like, 15 minutes. So, Himote House 
is about five girls and a cat who live together as housemates, and they all apparently have magical powers and are really concerned with becoming more popular with boys. And then Dev Idol is, I think, three demons who decide to become idols and high school girls and come to Earth or something like that. But, like, the Studio Bouncy style is one that, like, fascinates me, so maybe I'll give each of these an episode. Because also, Himote House looks like it's, like, actually animated, so I don't know, maybe this is, like, the first, like, real-ass project they're gonna do? We'll see. Oh, it's their shorts. Yeah, they're all shorts. And then we have the not-interested list. This is our lightning round. And starting off, we have the year of Sword Art Online, which is Sword Art Online Alicization, which is the next arc in that story. Help. Confirmed. 52 episodes. Help. And then also, we have the final season of Fairy Tale. <laughs> well, until well, until the author's next manga gets an anime and it turns out it's just Fairy Tale again. I mean, it basically is already. The next one is just Fairy Tale in space. Look, guy knows that it works. He's just gonna keep doing it. Uh, we also have that time I got reincarnated as slime, which is sort of the one of the newer types of isekai, where it's like, oh, get turned into a traditionally like non-typical fantasy thing and live life that way. But it still like looks like it follows all of sort of the harem sort of genre trappings of other sort of like less regarded isekai. So I'm pretty I'm pretty eh about it. Uh, following that, we have Jingai San no Yome which is about a high schooler who is forced to wed a mysterious creature called the Kane Nogi, which kind of looks like a very large llama. And that was a little much for me. (laughs) Following that is, I I just saw an English translation for this one, so I'm going to use that instead of trying to pronounce this Japanese. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Okay. Which is... A story of a high school student who suddenly sees a bunny girl appear in front of him, who is one of his upperclassmen and a famous actress, and he's the only one who sees her as a bunny girl, I guess, because of something they call puberty syndrome. It sounds like it's just like a very long metaphor for being horny, but yeah, not, eh, whatever. It feels like a horny anime. Yeah. Uh, then we have Boarding School Juliet, which is literally just Romeo and Juliet in two uh, warring boarding schools. <laughs> then we have Radiant, which seems like a very sort of prototypical kind of like shonen adventure series. I- I've seen a lot of talk about it just because it has like a really strong like voice acting cast, but like the rest of it seems very like kind of by the books in terms of the story they're trying to tell, so I'm pretty iffy about that. Oh, uh, Radiant is by a uh, a French guy. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's a little more neat. So it's French shonen. Huh. Alright. That one's a little more more credence. Probably still not gonna watch it, but interesting. Uh, then next up is Ulysses' Jean d'Arc to Rankin no Kishi, which is a light novel about uh, the son of a noble who meets Jeanne d'Arc in the during France's Hundred Year War and takes her in and it looks like it's like a harem 
harem series, I guess, set in that franchise, because everyone else has, like, it, there's the one dude, and then there's everyone else with ginormous titties in this. So, like, whatever, man. Yep. Then we have Surun, which is Kiwani's newest project based on one of their light novels that, they had, that they're uh, releasing, which is about a high school archery club, and it seems very similar to sort of the overall setup of, like, Free. Yeah, I, w- I was just about to say, oh, this just looks like Free, but Archery Club instead of Swimming Club. Right, like, even looking at the, the general, like, plot trajectory, seems like it has a lot a lot in common with Free, which uh, maybe explains a lot about why they picked it up, but, like, sure, that's for an audience, and that just isn't me. Then we have uh, Rewrited, I think is how you pronounce that. <laughs> which is, like, a steampunk, sci-fi, drama, like, political entry kind of show. And, I don't know, it's... It seems like it's kind of going for this this particular sort of, like, high-technology action thriller, like, apocalypse kind of story, which, again, there's an audience for it. It's not really me. I think they just released, like, four episodes of it on Crunchyroll, like, as an early, as, like, an early sneak peek at it, which that, you know, there, there's an opportunity there to see if you're going to be interested in it or not from that. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Now we get to Miss Vampire, who lives in my neighborhood, and it's like a slice-of-life comedy about a, a real-ass vampire and the the girl that she lives with, and how this vampire buys blood on Amazon and wants to buy anime goods like any other uh, good teenage girl. I'm like, sure, that's like a setup, but like, whatever. Even vampires have meats. It's true. Then we have The Space Between the Sky and the Sea, which is also, this is the multimedia project that's also a phone game I was thinking of, where it's like, um, all sea life has disappeared, and so the, like, Ministry of Japan has put together this, uh, this project to send people into space to get, like, space whales and stuff as, like, an alternative food source. And, yeah, so that's kind of it. It it seems charming enough, but again, it's just, like, like, nothing about it really stood out to me. Then we have Ask Miss Beelzebub Likes, which is, uh, I guess, a, a work comedy where a guy goes to work with the Demon King Beelzebub, but uh, Beelzebub's a big titty anime babe? <laughs> uh, looks like this Beelzebub's a Beelzebabe. Anyways, that eh, seems fine. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it's Seven Mortal Sins again. Ah! Well, there's only one of them. And it's the most mortal sin, horny. I mean, I also saw the preview for it. This looks more like a shoujo anime. Oh, does it really? Huh, weird. Uh, then we have Karakuri Circus, which is like, I don't know, nothing about the aesthetics I like at all. Also, I feel like the synopsis is like, really convoluted. It focuses on uh, a young boy whose father dies and leaves him a big inheritance, and suddenly... His entire family wants to kill him to to get the money instead of him. And, like, the, by coincidence, I think he ends up teaming up with, like, a professional martial artist and, like, a circus entertainer that then protect him. And there's, like, this alchemy subplot and, like, a, something about, like, a reincarnation. It's by the Ushio and Tora guy, so, like, 
I don't know. It's probably good. They're, you know, the fans are out there for it. I'm glad for them. The next one is Anima Yell, which is a uh, high school girl cheerleading anime. Yep. Then we have Dakaichi, I'm being harassed by the sexiest man of the year. What? It's, I think it's about uh, an idol who has been voted most huggable for five years until a new actor shows up and takes that spot from him, and they, like, fight over this. I think it's supposed to have, like, a little bit of, like, the shonen eye sort of, like, undertone to it, but I don't know much else outside of that. So, I don't know. I'm in shock of that translated title. Yeah, it's... They they know how to pick them. Then we have Han Gakusei Million Arthur, which is based on a Square Enix mobile RPG project they're doing. Yep, though this one's already out. Yeah, this one's like supposed to be already like pretty big. So, you know, that's going all right. I think one of the Million Arthur characters also made it into that SNK Heroines game. Huh. So I guess it's got to be reasonably popular. Maybe we'll see that in the West one day. Then we have this name, Merc Storia, Mukirioku Shonen Tobin no Naka no Shoujo, which is, again, kind of prototypical sort of shonen fantasy kind of thing. Uh, humans and monsters coexist in the world. Our protagonist is a healer apprentice who can tame monsters and works to rega- help regain the memories of a girl named Merc who uh, lives in a bottle. Okay. It seems like a very, like, JRPG sort of setup. Yeah, this seems like, especially a setup for a dungeon crawler. Yeah, oh, it is based on a game. Well, there you go. Well. Then we have uh, Bakumatsu, which it's about, you know, the Bakumatsu period in Japanese culture. But I think it's like, uh, I think it's like a dating sim kind of thing. Yes. It's not as cool as Bakumatsu Rock, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Look, I'm, I think I'm, we peaked We peaked at Bakamatsu Rock. We don't need any more stories about that era. I'm looking at the summary, and it's literally, heroin goes back in time and falls in love with all the hunks from the Bakamatsu era. Hell yeah. Also based on a game. Then we have Voice of Fox, which is a digital manhwa adaptation about Huli, who is a, a 16-year-old who dreams of being a popular singer. However, he has, quote, neither good looks nor the financial means to pursue his dreams. So he basically becomes like a YouTube singer using an, a Fox avatar. And what I, I find this funny because you look at his character design and the thing that makes him ugly is that he's got like basically like a cool red lightning bolt over one of his eyes. <laughs> like it's just painted on like a kiss kind of thing. And they're like, oh, I'm so hideous. That's a Har- that's Harry Potter. What if Harry Potter, instead of being wizard, decided to become a YouTube superstar? And it's 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 all it's kinda like um in Ready Player One as well, where the girl's like, I'm so hideous, and her hideousness is basically like she has a birthmark over her eye. <laughs> like it's really ridiculous. Oh my god. Anyways, um then we have Hey, your cat ears are showing, which is a, like, cutesy slice-of-life story, I think also supposed to be sort of under that, like, shonen eye sort of blanket about a guy and his, uh, cat boy roommate. The art style looks cute, but I'm pretty, like, 
eh. I'll stay out of that one. Oh, I realized what the art style reminds me kind of of. It kind of reminds me of Katana Guitari's art style. Oh yeah, it's the, definitely the same type of eyes and stuff. Then we have Inazuma 11, Mark of Orion, uh, Orion which I just have to accept that I'm never going to be able to watch Inazuma 11 in English again. I guess. <sighs> I wish I could watch those soccer boys go nuts. All right, no one does subs for them, not even fan subs. Yeah, it's crazy! Inazuma 11 is hugely popular and no one wants to sub this. It's ridiculous. That just makes me even more baffled that people like the latent anime enough to sub it. <sighs> it's a fucked up world out there. Then we have Kirakira Happy Hirake Kokotama, which I think is part of a larger Kokotama series? Yeah, the prequel, I guess, to this is Kamisama Minarai Himitsu no Kokotama, which, it, it's very Shugochara-esque, where, like, these young girls suddenly find, like, tiny gods hatching out of eggs and they have to take care of them and stuff. Very cutesy, sort of magical slice of life thing. And this is just the sequel to it, with, with new girls and, I assume, new Kokotamas. Whoa. I think that got subbed. What the fuck? Where's Inazuma 11? God damn it. <laughs> then we have Ken N. Ken, uh, Aoki Kageyaki, which is based on a series of Chinese RPGs called Zhan uh, Yuan's Sword, I think. It seems very, like, prototypical kind of martial arts RPG. So, you know, there's that. Uh, then we have Zombieland Saga, which seems like, I don't know, this season's, like, super exploitative horror series where they make, like, young girls deal with uh, horror situations. Ah! Yeah, it, eh, whatever. Uh, then we have the sequel to the uh, Polygon Pictures Penguin the City series with Penguin the City 2018. It's cool that Pingu's back. Um, I believe he was originally, like, Scandinavian, and now, like, Polygon Pictures is, like, reviving him and trying to keep that same sort of clay style to him. It's very cute. Newt newt. Newt newt. <laughs> Indeed. Then we- okay, then we have the the list of second seasons that we're not watching, because we don't- we haven't watched the other ones. Uh, Senran Kagura, uh, Fist of the Blue Sky Regenesis, uh, Gura Zeni, uh, Space Battleship Tiramisu, Tokyo Ghoul Re, and then a certain Magical Index 3. After how many years? <laughs> I feel like that guy has written more certain Magical Index books since the second season than there are episodes. I mean, I guess they were doing Railgun during that time? Did you hear about th this author? Like, No. Apparently, he literally puts out a book every month. What? And he's, got, and he's like juggling like three or four series. Weird. Yeah, if I, if I remember correctly, Kazuma Kamachi... I think for, like, the last six years running, has put out a book of either a certain magical index, a certain scientific railgun, or heavy object every month. Calm down, dude! Yeah, I, 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 that's what I understand. I Certainly the last time I looked this up, he had continued that streak. It's buck wild, dude. And then, finally, our short poo-poo garbage list... It may be short, but it's certainly got the realest, the poopooest, garbagest stuff on here. Absolute refuse. 
First we have Goblin Slayer. Goblin Slayer is a dark fantasy series, and by dark I mean it has a lot of rape in it. Yup. Then we have Ore Gasuki Nano wa Emoto Dakido Emoto Janai, which is your newest favorite sister-brother romance series. With, like, almost the exact same setup as all the other ones, where it's like, this girl writes these light novels about loving a brother, and the brother pretends to be the author for her, or something like that, and then they wackily fall in love. Ugh. Then we have Uchi no Maid ga Uza Sugiru, which is about a second grader who goes to live with her Japanese father, and there's a housekeeper there who is formerly an army general who is a hardcore lollicon. Great, 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 glad we're doing this! Please go away! Please stop. Stop that. <laughs> Cut that out right now. Ugh. <sighs> But that's all the anime. All the anime, and we sure had to done some real stinkers. Yeah, but let's return to the top. Let's think about all the good stuff that's coming out. We got new JoJo's. People have been clamoring for that since the end of part four. They finally found a VA for Giorno. Yeah. We got Double Decker. We got, you know, new, a new Golden Kamu. We got Thunderbolt Fantasy. We got Gridman. We got Ace Attorney Season 2. We seem to have plenty of good stuff coming in the next season. Yeah, there's there's some high highs and low lows. Yeah, I don't think we're like, we're going to be like starving for good content this season. Seems like there's plenty to go around. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, always excited. New anime. I hope it's really good. Like, again, this this season had a lot of surprises, I think, that I kept up with and like, they all turned out pretty good, so I'm excited for this newer season where, like, right out the gate, things are looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But that's all we have for today. So thanks for joining me. And next up, we'll be going over the uh, the anime review for summer. A lot of shows that we watched, and I think... We're going to have a lot to say about them, even the ones we didn't stick with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be talking about as many shows, but we're certainly going to be saying a lot more about them. Yeah, there were, there were a lot fewer, like, duds where I don't think we have anything to say about them. We definitely have things to say about all of them. As always, you can find the podcast at at Coco underscore Disaster on Twitter, at CocoDisaster.com, where you can find the YouTube archives we have. You can find our RSS feed. You can find the link to our text-only uh, anime blog that I do with friend of the show QB called Vanilla Blessing, which is at vanilla-blessing.tumblr.com. And you can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. And you know what? If you're feeling good, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, I've been Chorpsaway. And I've been Zane Zero. And this has been Coco Disaster. Sweet dreams.